Welcome to another episode of Fruitless Pursuits. I'm Jason. With me, as always, Thornton Zimba, ladies and gentlemen. And I'm always trying to think of something um, fun and creative to say here, but uh, honestly, um, I've got nothing. Um, I've often, at least recently, wondered like if there's any ramifications for us, like putting putting our friendship out there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it, it's it's a risk in a way, I guess, right? Well, well, how how so? I mean, I I I guess um, I thought of the the negatives of that, and that you know, it's not like we're monetizing. We're not making any money, um, you right. know. So it's we're not monetizing. Our yeah, what are you going to take away know? from us, right? Right. Yeah, and I mean, you know, uh, I think of anything, it's produced some humility in my life. I mean, you know, we just put out that funny clip on uh, the promo clip on Instagram. Uh, anyone who's not following us, on Instagram, you know, uh, fruitless pursuits, come check us out. Um, and, you know, uh, there's a picture of me, you know, um, you know, it's photoshopped. It's not me. The face is me, but it's, you know. Yeah, right. <laughs> this is this is your smear campaign. I like it. I see, I see where you're going. Um, uh, you know, and and uh, I laughed, you know, when I saw it. And I thought it was hilarious. And my first thought was like, let's post this. This is so funny. And then after I posted, I was like, uh, maybe I shouldn't. Have. And I was like, no, this is great. This is a good thing. Yeah. There's nothing bad about it. It's funny. Um, you know, so like, if anything, it's produced good results, um, you know, just in my own psyche. Yeah, well, it's funny, people see you in a different way. And I think that's part of the um, part of what's scary about it, right? Yeah, I guess I guess that's true. Um, you know, we all control a certain level of our um, output or what people see of us. Uh, and, you know, you and I communicate in a way and on a level that, um uh, not everyone does, and certainly not everyone does to each other. Um, so we are definitely letting people into these um, conversations that normally are very, very private, uh, and not yeah. because we have anything to hide, just because the format, right? And and um, up till now, um, no one wanted to listen but you and me. So um, uh, you know, and I think um, it remains that way. Yeah, it does. It does, and that's fine. Um, it's it's a really, um, I mean, you know, I enjoy doing this um when it's just you and me because that's that's the input feedback we get right until we right. get like a comment on us not liking the new weezer record or something um <laughs> and uh which we don't um but which uh, everybody shouldn't but yeah <laughs> yeah but that's aside um so i think there's you know that the the for now the benefits outweigh the um any of the cons you know that's a good way of looking at it. i like that you're always you always got something positive to say oh well that's for now for now so I was telling you about it earlier, but I saw this, um, this, what could only be described as a clickbait article um, right. it, yeah, a week yeah. or two ago. And it was, it heavily quoted Dave Grohl. Yeah. And it was about Lemmy and the thrust of the whole article was like Dave Grohl saying, you know, I went to Lemmy's apartment one time and it was filthy and he was drinking Jack Daniels at 11 o'clock in the morning. And my first thought was like, why are you, talking shit on, on lemmy and second yeah. what are you are you like you've never had a drink before 11 o'clock right um you know it's it's interesting too because dave girl has this like um i remember this when kurt cobain was still alive um you know he talked about i guess there was maybe and i don't remember the cr chronology of this but uh he, there was like an early overdose or something like that that kurt cobain had and i remember kurt cobain's quote being that uh, he felt like that Chris Novoselic and Dave Grohl had never had any real interactions with drugs before, or at least hard drugs like that. Yeah. And that, that was their first kind of entree into it. Um, yes. And so, so in some ways, you know, I did think of, well, this is a very young Dave Grohl too, right? Right. Uh, in, in that kind of context. Um, but, you know, since then, I mean, he's a partier. He is on record as really enjoying um, I mean, we've drink, all seen the video you know? of him chugging a beer and then falling off the stage and breaking his leg. So, well, that's that's excellent, excellent <laughs> point. Um, and you know, I mean, it also points to how valuable that his name is relative to generating clicks. 
Yeah, and, no, and because there's nothing to the article. It's literally like, you know, a paragraph to open and a quote from him and a, and a paragraph. Yeah. After. And it's like, it, it's it's totally, the whole thing hinges on this, like, pulled quote from him that probably is completely out of context. And Yeah, know. absolutely. So it, it's obvious that, you know, I, I don't put any of this on on Dave Grohl, right? It's whatever shit clip this article together is, right. you know is is at fault here more than anything but um, especially since as i understand it dave Grohl and lemmy had a relationship he he was one of the first people that dave Grohl enlisted to do vocals on his probot project back in the day and um, by all accounts was very much uh in reverence of yeah i mean uh dave Grohl is like uh i mean he's just one of those dudes he's a good i mean you know I think I've said this on the show before, like, you know, Dave, I, I implore you to quit the Foo Fighters and uh, play drums for Queens of Sarnia for the rest of your career. Nothing, John Theodore, you know, is amazing. But with that said, Dave Grohl is an awesome dude. I mean, like, I'm, I, he, he could be a, a privately a douche, but outwardly, he does a lot of good things for music. Um, he is a goodwill ambassador in a lot of ways and uh, comes off as a nice guy, um, takes care of people. Um, by that, yeah. I mean, other musicians and stuff i mean you know yeah, yeah i mean you, you do wonder about that when um like somebody presents themselves as like the the perennial good guy and that's kind of the ongoing narrative right i'm always super suspicious like right no i, I wonder if this guy reason. really a piece of shit behind closed doors you know but i don't get that absolutely <laughs> get that impression about dave Grohl. At dude all. i don't know I think any of us go under a microscope like that. Um, oh, I'd be fried, bro. Yeah, yeah. People, you know what I mean? If like, do. if either of us were in a position where anybody cared, like to dig to dig dirt on us and like expose us, it's well, you know, that's that's not entirely true because we were fortunate enough to like, you know, our twenties were um, in an era where we had the internet, but it wasn't as ubiquitous as it is now. And, right. You know, everybody right. wasn't recording everything like, you know, cell phone cameras. Phone tech cameras, but and, they were, yeah. That's exactly. Yeah. That's what I was about to say. Yeah. So, no, I mean, they, they, well, not so there's that. little evidence of our, you know, debauchery. Well, the other thing is I was going to say, you know, like you make it sound like we're, you know, we're awful folks. And I think that the truth is more like, to the um, standards of society of, of like, if we wanted to get a job that required um, background checks um, and everything was known about us, it we wouldn't get that job, right? You know, it's not that we're like despicable humans, um, but I do understand what you're saying. And I do think that, yeah, relative to that, like um, I bet Dave Roll has said like a million more nice things about uh, Lemmy than, than mean, so. Yeah, well, and, and again, it's the context, like you're saying right. he was drinking at 11 o'clock, that's, that's not necessarily uh, a slight. It's just it's just the truth. I mean, everybody everybody right. knew that. Everybody knew that Lemmy went to what was it, the Rainbow, and sat yeah. there and played video poker and drank Jack Daniels all day. That was his fucking thing, man. That's yeah. just what he did. That's what so, he did. Um. <laughs> anyway, that's I I read that and I was just like, really? Come on, we can do better than that. Yeah. Um. You know, the other week we were talking about, uh, you know, specifically magazines, but print media right. in general. Right. Um, and I kind of had to walk back some of the harsh things I said about a magazine that um, continues to be in publication and, and you know, is, is doing, is still operating in a time where it, it's not, it can't be an easy thing to do, right? Right. And, and sometimes they, they're putting out multiple issues with different covers and they're doing cool stuff, you know, yeah. right too. Sorry, not to harp on that. No, no, no. Even... And look, my biggest, they've, they've largely quit doing some of the things that I, I had a problem with. Like uh, there was a time where they would put out these issues and it was like the hottest chicks in metal or something. It was just fucking right. dumb. You know yeah. what I mean? Right. Uh, I think they, that's, that's maybe one of the beneficial things that has come out of like the, the, the climate that we live in now that something like that is just laid bare as being fucking ridiculous. So, right. right. Well, and Maxim isn't the biggest comp competitor for most print magazines anymore. Right. 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 Yeah. That's a, that's a fair point. Um, so, you know, in that conversation, one of the things I was talking about, um, I'm a big fan of decibel magazine. They've had a lot of ups and downs. Um, they still manage to do it. Um, 
And as far as I know, they're one of a very small handful of publications that are still really focused on specifically extreme metal. Um, you'll also see reviews for like Chelsea Wolf or, you know, Emma Ruth Rundle and, and people like that that are like peripherally heavy. But, uh, but by and large, it's, it's still an extreme metal magazine, right? Right. So one of the things that they have done to uh, probably develop another revenue stream outside of the magazine itself um, and kind of continue on their way is they've started to uh, also print books. And I have I found, love. I'm sorry. I said, which I love. I think yes. that's great. I think that's such a cool idea. It, it is. And there's a lot of, um, you know, they have done some compiling of, of past issues. Like they have their hall of fame series, which is really cool. Always really good picks in there. Um, especially like if it's something you haven't heard of and you go, Oh, okay. Well maybe I'd go back to this, this death metal record from 1989 and, and check it out because you know, yeah, somebody really holds cool. this in really high regard. Right. Right. Exactly. So um, they have recently put out uh, what, I think is a really, really spectacular book. I've been reading it and it is, it's kind of a primer on uh, US black metal. So hence the USBM. Yes. It's not United States bowel movement or um, uh, right. unsubstantiated uh, uh, bowel bad, movement. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Right. All Let's right. just keep right. that. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's called USBM, a, Rev a Revolution of Identity in American Black Metal. And it, I think for people who are, you know, like the black metal heads, right? Mm -hmm. They're super into it. Maybe this isn't going to reveal anything new. And in fact, it probably uh, gives some page space to bands that aren't quote unquote, you know, true with a V. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I love that. However, it's got some really great information, particularly about like some of the early bands that were like, um, you know, happening in parallel with the second wave of, of European black metal, which was, you know, happening in Scandinavia, primarily Norway and Sweden. Um, so it, it's cool to see that and to read the firsthand accounts from the people that were involved with these projects. Right. Most of them were kids at the time, right? Teenagers. Right. That were being informed by, you know, we're talking pre-internet. So tape trading was still a thing. Um, and these kids were creating what would go on to be influential, you know, hallmarks of the genre on four track recorders, you know, going to Kinko's and printing <laughs> off cassette sleeves packing them themselves and just sending them to their buddies or sending them to zines and stuff. Right. Yeah. So yeah. It's got a yeah, lot of stuff yeah. in, in that, uh, that I thought was really cool and really interesting. And it, again, to hear it from the mouths of the people who were involved, um, it is really, is really interesting. It yeah, provides no. a, 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 an insider perspective for, you know, I'm not a huge black metal guy. So, um, reading about it is, is pretty pretty cool yeah no it's interesting because you know when you say you're not a huge black metal guy um that's what i was gonna say but relative to you you know you're like if this is you know on a scale of one to ten ten being a huge black metal guy one being not right or yeah. zero being not um if you're a five i'm a negative ten right you know so like <laughs> um uh but what i love about just like the energy of what you said is the vibe that I get that I can remember that was like that for me when someone would give me a tape um, and it was like that it was some some terrible recording, you know, um, but there was something to it or like the seven inches I'd buy that were like at local shows, um, you know, when it was all ages, you know, um, you know, like those kind of things that vibe is seeing so... older kids with t shirts of bands that you might check out later and things like that totally and like and not just that but like the the local kids who are playing and what it, the band now when you when i listen to the seven inches are 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 very not good yeah. but but man like i remember those those older kids um and thinking of how fucking cool they were and them being like the rock stars of like 20 people you know what i mean but they right. had all the ego to accompany it but um i love the energy of that and so yeah. i think that those kind of publications 
um, those kind of books, um, man, they can, they can, you, you can like not love the genre, but dig into the content. Right? For sure. For sure. I, I think you would actually really enjoy reading it. Um, there is an interesting side note and the, the preface of the book goes to great lengths to kind of, uh, draw some boundaries uh oh okay interesting because there unfortunately has always been like you know uh, black metal in its essence is about extremity and you know hatred really right right it's about hatred for mankind and that's kind of the the through line through all this so at a certain point you see some some paralleling with um, like national socialist stuff, right? Yeah, kind yeah, of yeah, blending into certain um, certain parts of black metal, right? Uh, so much so that at this point, people refer to it as national socialist black metal. Uh, there's, there's essentially a whole genre of it, um, but in the early days, there was not there was not such a, 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 a obvious line drawn. Yeah, but those kids were at those shows and attracted to that. You know what I mean? Like, I hear you. Yeah. But, but there was always an element. I mean, like, if you think of, like, way back, like, American History X, for example, um, uh, you know, there are all these great examples of that kind of, um, be, you know, for a lot of reasons, because of the energy, because of all that stuff, you know, um, metal and, like, its extreme forms have always had this. Um, well, they, attract, they attract kids that don't you know, that are kind of outsiders already. Right. 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 And that ultimately that's what, you know, you see, you can find that in those things, you know, and, and so I'm sorry, we're, we're getting a little. Yeah. So what I was going to say is there's, there's a blurring there because um, some of these records, some of these early records got released onto uh, record labels and comps with, with like Nazi oi bands and, and, you know, they're on uh, resistance records, which is, you know, a, a white supremacist record label. And so okay. there's like this weird kind of uh, transference back and forth. And it's part of it, you have to go, okay, well, how much of this is shock value? How much of it, like the, the satanic stuff doesn't really make people clutch their pearls anymore, right? Right. So, you know, how much of it is no different than seeing Johnny Rotten, Sid Vicious wearing swastika t-shirts because they're trying to provoke and how much of it is really based in a dangerous and um to use your word despicable ideology Uh, right yeah yeah you know it's really interesting because i saw the other day i saw um uh a clip of pantera playing and dimebag daryl is playing a um uh stars and bars dean yes exactly and i was just like oh dimebag and and fuck man you know if you did you weren't alive at the time or weren't like you know a teenager or above i mean i think there's like a billy idol video where he's got a a confederate flag on his jacket like it was just like a symbol of you being a rebel you know what i mean and i'm not trying to excuse that type of symbology but that's what it was it was almost like people didn't even think of it as the terribly racist um hate um symbol that it is right they they thought of it as something different and um they were wrong of course but um that's what that's what the term of it you know the terms of it were you know yeah Um, well and i think maybe that's where you and i disagree a little bit i i can separate that you know and i think in the context of what was happening like i understand that and i it's not it's not as on the face of it as offensive as out and out, you know, wearing SS bolts or right, that's or a swastika or do you know what I mean? Like, and it's hard to draw those lines now, but I'm, I'm not. Sh- OK, we do disagree because like I think that to to the um, to, the, you know, the African-American population um, whose ancestry went through that pull i'm not sure they feel differently than those um whose um grandparents have numbers tattooed on their arm because they went through a concentration camp yeah i don't i don't, I don't know that that exi- and I'm, I'm i'm not trying to um gosh you can't you can't be hard, 
anything but get kind of deep and harsh with this. Yeah. But, um, you know, that, that's, I think that's, I mean, that's definitely the way I see it, you know? And so, uh, I don't know. What I was trying to get to was that there was more a laissez-faire attitude with some of those um, symbols and, I, you know, not ideas because they weren't messing with the concepts. See, that's, I think that's what you're saying. Yes. Right? Right? Yeah, like, none, yeah, very none, much so. None of these bands were like playing around with the concepts of Nazism or uh, slavery or the Confederacy. They were um, just appropriating the symbols and appropriating is is real. And I think today we would say uh, it's cultural appropriation, right? Because these people didn't believe in the ideas. Yeah. They just thought dreadlocks are cool. You know what I mean? So so they were so they were using it in that way. Right. Um, and I think that's something that gets missed. And I'm not defending it, but I I. It, it was just shocking. And in the context of what we're talking about, um, you know, I think uh, it's it's hard to look back on that stuff without the lens of today kind of fogging up your, your glasses, you know? Right. Well, and Daniel Lake, who wrote this book, I think did a really good job of laying out the argument. And he's, he's quoted quite a few, um, you know, he, he asked a lot of people within the scene, like, how do you how do you feel about this how do you kind of uh, rectify this in your mind that it's kind of part of of this genre that that you've been involved with for you know 20 years right and that and that you love so much and that you produce all this uh work in um yeah yeah i, I guess that, that would be really interesting to, to to run across some of those artists i mean i unfortunately um, and I miss his talent very, very much, but like, you know, unfortunately Dimebag Daryl's dead, um, and we can't address that, but I would be, I'd be interested to hear what he had to say about that, you know, what yeah. his take on that would be. I mean, you know, Tom Petty was well known for, you know, he, um, uh, I was born a rebel down in Dixie on a Sunday morning, you know, Tom Petty had, you know, uh, referenced his Southern heritage and, um, and later on in, you know, uh, he is well known for saying like stopping concerts and telling people to take down the Confederate flag. They just, they just, hung, you know what I mean? That they just were throwing around in the air. You know what I mean? So yeah. I think, I think he, you know, it's always complicated, you know, it is. And I, I want to read a little piece um, of what it's a guy named Aesop Decker. He's a, I think he's a West coast, either San Francisco or Seattle, or he's bounced back and forth, but He's a very well-known drummer within that scene. He's played okay. in a ton of bands. Um, and he, what he has to say about is, is, is really interesting and well put, I, I think. So he says, being in a punk scene, I've grown up vehemently anti-racist. However, I think it's a tall order to want or expect all art to come from good people or to limit yourself to art that's made by good people. Do I want to hang out with racists? No. Do I want to give them my money? No. That's something I've wrestled with, but I'm very careful about what bands my band plays with, what promoters I work with. Everyone has to make their own choices about it. We're not in a place where we should condemn people for how they want to approach that. We definitely should condemn Nazis, but we shouldn't condemn people for liking a record or wearing a t-shirt. That's not racism. That's interesting. I you know, I would love to, I have a good friend who works in the record industry and she, um, uh, well, I, you know, I think of her as a good friend. I hope she would say the same. Um, and, um, she would have a really interest. I would love to do a show on this actually. Uh, do you think, do you, how, let's come back to this. Cause I would like to, you know, maybe talk about that. And you guys in the comments below, let us know if you'd be interested in a discussion about this. Yeah. We'll talk sure. to us about it um, because I think it's something that we could do. Um, and I think, um, you know, I think we could get a couple of guests for sure that I can think of that would be good people to talk to you about this. That sounds good. Yeah, let's do it. But, but yeah, I'm, I'm a fan of this book, you know, and also the thing I was thinking is it's not anything exceptionally new, you know, Rolling Stone, um, you know, published books, um, I think as early as the early 70s, you know what I mean? Like, uh, mm -hmm. uh, so, but I'm glad to see decibel doing it i'm glad to see you know um print uh media looking for targeted avenues to you know kind of keep things going well in a bound book is like so much less disposable than a magazine right Absolutely. so yeah if you're picking the the highlights from 20 years of of a magazine and putting them in kind of a uh an archival format right 
that, that can only be a cool thing. Yeah, agreed. I even have a hard time getting rid of magazines. So I do too. I've there got... are magazines <laughs> that are just coming out of my gills that, um, yeah, they're just getting in my way. Um, I w- you know, I want to talk about something real quick. It's just a, it's just a, a flyby. Um, yeah. But but it happened a couple of weeks ago. It's kind of it's kind of old news, but it's 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 good news and it's cool news. Um, yeah. Andrew Schultz uh, has been doing this show for a while called Inside Jokes, um, and uh, you know he's kind of like a rising star, right? So a lot of people know about him, um, but he's not like a household name. Well, a household name decided they'd start a show called Inside Jokes too. So Kevin Hart. Ah. Uh, yeah, Kevin Hart decided he'd start the show, and he kind of announced it, and you know, in Kevin Hart style, you know, he hit Twitter with the his Instagram. Big, yeah, 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 yeah. And then um, got Schultz, all the movement behind it, right? Exactly. And Andrew Schultz like DM'd him, or sent him a message, or I guess like responded on Twitter, right? And said, you know, that's cool, but you know, we've been doing this a long time, Kevin. You know, in Andrew Schultz style, really lighthearted, really fun, really playful. And Kevin Hart like kind of made this public. Um, thing where he like got on YouTube, he got on Twitter, he got on Instagram and put out this video and said, you know, no worries, you know, I'm not coming after anybody, you know, um, <laughs> Kevin Hart has had enough time um, in the doghouse, you know, uh, and he wasn't gonna. Yeah, he's been on the receiving end of that. So he kind of. That's right. That's yeah. right. And so he wasn't gonna let that be a problem here. And so uh, he got right ahead of it. And um, I like to think of it as he just wasn't gonna like he's good like he can come up with a different name yeah he doesn't, he doesn't need to like it's gonna fly the- whatever he calls it right that's right that's that's right and so he was cool enough to like let that um be something you know come up with a different name but also come out publicly yeah uh, it makes him look good too that's always that's always a, a bonus um it, it does yeah especially and so- in you know we we kind of live in this place where everybody always wants to take somebody down a peg and yeah yeah that's kind of see you know, the opposite of that in an in interaction between two comics that, you know, at very, very different stages in their career. Um, Absolutely. And to have him, you know, kind of relinquish that and, and say, Hey, it's good. I, you know, he's been doing this a while. I didn't know about it. It's, it's fine. Yeah. You're going to change the name. No thing, you know? Yeah, uh, exactly. And, and he could have crushed him, you know, it, it, clearly Kevin Hart's machine could crush someone like Andrew Schultz, um, you know, and like steal the name with, with no problem. Or yeah. Not steal, but, but end up it would have been it, a lot bigger right? beef now than it would have been this time last year. Absolutely. Absolutely. He has a lot more moment, momentum than he did previously. No, um, I think that's, I think that's true too. Yeah. But you know what? Schultz, quit trying to do everything, man. Quit taking up all the fucking names. How many shows you got, bro? Dude, not just the names, but like, is there oxygen left over? I mean, <laughs> like, like the flagrant two, and we talked about it before, but like, that's that podcast isn't for me. Yeah. But even they're like, even their um, kind of marketing stuff, like they're in Miami right now, like doing some sort of like fun Florida thing. And um, uh, I'm sure it has a tie in with the Super Bowl and, and et cetera. But like, um, you know, and they did like this, they made these incredibly cool videos and they're making great content coming out of there. Yeah. Um, it's, 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 so it's cool. It's, you know, um, and you know, I guess he's just trying to surf the world, um, you know, while he's, while he's at it, like, um, uh, you know, I guess he started, I guess one of those perfect wave places is open in outside of New York city. So he started surfing. And so now he's like, you know, whenever he goes somewhere now, it's like, uh, I see. he ties it together. It's like the way Pearl Jam toured for a while they would just be like is there a surf spot nearby because that's how we're going yeah um, we're, we're we're playing costa rica even though there's not a venue there perfect we'll build one <laughs> um yeah so so anyway so i thought that was really cool um it was cool and, and and it's it's good news you know so it's always nice to, to talk about that right now it seems well, like you know people when you get to um the the scale of celebrity that kevin hart is at um you know, people are always going to want to take shots. We saw what happened, you know, with the award show and all that stuff. And I thought he handled that spectacularly, like as, as good as you could possibly ask somebody. Um, but, you know. Well, he made a show about back, it. Like it, watch it, it, those. It, it worked for him. Yeah. He's I mean, he's a grinder. That's yeah, that's yep. why he is where he is. I mean, absolutely have to get the nod at some point, I think. But it's obviously a guy works his ass off. And that's you see people like that who are always doing something. Uh, they always got something on the burner. Um, stuff happens for people like that. You know what I mean? And I so we, you, you go back and watch those, like when he used to be on, um, he'd be on Tough Crowd with like all the Comedy Cellar guys. When yeah. When was still alive and, 
you know, uh, Colin Quinn and Bill Burr was on there sometimes and uh, Voss and kind of that era of guys. And right. he was at that point, like a uh, kind of a junior guy, you know? Yeah. And he ate so much shit on that show. I mean, they were constantly like in a good natured way, but they were constantly taking that dude apart. Yeah. And um, to see him like persevere through that and like build this astounding career is, is really impressive, man. You gotta, you gotta take your hat off to the guy. Oh, I completely agree. I mean, um, not just that. I mean, like, you know, he talks about it too, you know, Patrice O'Neill just being a huge uh, mentor of his um, and uh, you know, coming through it. And, and I think he, one of his survival skills is that he turns um, misfortune into fortune, you know, like he, he manages to scratch the miss off the beginning of that word yeah. every time it comes his way. Like, you know, when you have that whole thing go down about, um, you know, um, what was the whole controversy over the thing he said about, you know, if his son, he came home and his son was playing with dolls, he'd break the dollhouse over his kid's head, you know, this, this LPG, oh, you know, like the backlash joke thing. that he made on Twitter, like fucking 10 years ago right exactly and how and that backlash and he was like you know i'm not gonna well he turned that into like a tv show you know basically a netflix special yeah um and not just that but he i mean he ultimately apologized but he did make it about being who he was and like staying up for comedy and you know how he his belief was that if you researched his twitter account you'd find a, a thousand more positive projections of his feeling towards the gay community but also um you know very few um you know criticisms and that it was a joke right um and his stand up for the 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 standing up for the comedy community um and their freedom to say things i think is important um but you know also the the guy is um you know um he's set too he could stop he's one of those people that could stop (laughs) trying so hard and be really happy for the rest of his life not doing anything but that's just not it doesn't motivate him you know it's not something that that he wants to do no man you gotta get when when you're on fire like that you gotta just go you gotta get all the chips while you can and because you don't know whether it's gonna last forever or not so that's true that's good on him absolutely and for people like that it sleeping doesn't bring you any comfort you know what i mean like um you know he doesn't he doesn't enjoy like if he he tries to lay back it just doesn't satisfy him you know and so he's looking for more of that you know we're talking about a lot about bands and right now the moment is so um weirdly like everything's political or like charged and yeah you know a band we like i hadn't heard anything from a long time and you know not like i was like craving um them or anything like that but um you know system of a down is like putting out some new music um which to me is really yeah after a very very long hiatus right well and what seems like they were never gonna make music together again like the it you know not too long ago the you know like the drummer is of a very different political persuasion from the rest of the band i see Um, and so he is regularly like just like getting in these like kind of like internet squabbles with you know like a couple of the other members um just about politics you know like right. friendly friendly stuff but you know um so it seemed it did seem like we weren't going to hear stuff from them um i'm not like a huge like for me system of down is is the toxicity record you know that record to me um it, you know you you are a fan of this phrase high watermark and i think um for them it, it definitely is the case and, and more sure. importantly i think i think it is their the record that it's them you know what i mean right um it's the, uh, it's the one where all the pieces kind of came together and congealed in the right way and like it's a it's a good snapshot of like uh maybe what that band was ultimately trying to do yeah i agree and it it though it very much fit the mold of the sound of the time uh, i can in I'll, some every, ways yeah yeah every, every couple of years i'll listen to that record and i'll be really pleased that i'm hearing it you know yeah. um uh, I think it it still is a good, it's overall a great like record. Like it hangs together as a unit. Um, you know, the, all the songs on it kind of do their thing together. Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, I mean, I'm, I, um, some of my best friends are Armenians, you know, and, um, uh, you know, a lot of what they this music is currently about is still about, uh, you know, Armenia's, their Turkey's treatment of the Armenians, the Armenian genocide, right. um, their refusal to acknowledge it. Um, and that, like the politics revolving around that, you know, you have all these world powers that um, will or won't acknowledge um, that going down. And, and yeah. you know, so I think it's cool for them to continue to put pressure on that and be a member of their community in a positive way. Um, I wish 
that they would make better music around it. Like I, I'm not trying to be a dick. I just don't love it. You know. Um, uh, well, there is there is a there's a grading element to the vocals that you know uh, what is once novel um, tires quickly. At least right. for me, I can't speak for everybody. I know that's maybe an unpopular opinion, particularly in you know people that really have a strong um strong feelings about that band i think they're one of the bands of that era that people really latched onto and said this is different this is this is the good stuff out of that uh that whole kind of brew of uh post new metal whatever you want to call it well i don't disagree at the time like the other stuff that was on like rock radio was like limp biscuit or stained or you know right. what we would call new metal um yeah. and so i do think that they managed to actually be a um a shining light in that whole yeah i, I think from a creative yeah. standpoint they they probably hold a little more water than a lot of their peers um, oh for sure and you know the, the other thing that they did is they brought along um, you know, uh, a young Mars Volta was their touring partner for that toxic. I saw that tour. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I remember having a friend um, that was they going were to fucking see terrible live. <laughs> uh, well, it's funny because um, so I'm not, you know, I, I didn't go see that show. Um, yeah. Like, but I did love Mars Volta at the time. And, yeah. you know, um, uh, what had just come out, um, not Francis the Mute, but like, um, Gotha. Uh, no, or... no, no, no. On, when this tour happened, what had just come out was, um, uh oh come on it's um francis the mute no it's the one before that it's no 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 it's not yeah okay well then they toured with him several times because um um uh d louse in the comatorium um that was the record that mars volta was touring on under under the time um uh we might and... need a fact checker for that one buddy okay well let's we'll look we'll look i but... went i went to the show now granted my memory is not what it once was but i am almost 100% certain that when I saw that me and a certain friend of ours, we will only refer to as the berserker <laughs> went, <laughs> went to go see that show um, when we were living together. And that was towards, um, towards the end of 2005. So yeah, but that's I what... am, I think Francis the mute was already out and maybe Bedlam and uh, what is it? Bedlam and Goliath or something like that. Go, you said it before. Let's say like Golgatha or something. Yeah, I don't. Um, no, I'm, uh, I'm 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 fucking it all up, and people are losing their minds about it right now. But yeah, or all, all three, all three of, of them. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, no, I think I think that um, we're, we're getting way uh, late here. So let's okay. I, I apologize okay. for being a nitpicker. It's, it's cool. It's cool, but it doesn't matter. So the point is, um, at the time, uh, the friend I, we have another friend who went. Dan went to see him to see them as well, and I was like, oh. Well, you're gonna like. You better make sure you get there for the opening band because they're right. way better than um, System of a Down. He's like, whatever. And then you know, after the show, he confirmed for me that yes, they were way better. That you know, they were they were more interesting and more to his taste. So, yeah. Um, but okay, so the point. No, being, they were they were boring as shit live. It was like he was testing out new effects pedals the whole show. It was just yeah. A, I think that's the problem in general with anything that. Um, Omar Rodriguez becomes enmeshed in if he controls it it's his show yeah and like you know it's a little just... self-indulgent exactly and yeah. and that becomes that became the case as like later um Mars Volta records came out you're just like right oh oh this is the song that's like the 30 minute guitar solo um <laughs> that's, uh, that's right uh, yeah I mean you know it's definitely one of the things that we talk about John Theodore a lot because he's now in the Queens of Stone Age but um, and I realize that we're, we're currently talking about a different band, but, you know, John Theodore basically um, left or, or basically slowly kind of exited uh, Mars Volta because of his like, you know, lack of uh, input. And I, you know, to me, he makes um, D. Lost in the Comatorium the record. It is, yeah, his, his playing on that. And also he's on Francis the Mute, which I, I really like that album as well. Yeah, it's good. Um, but, you know, System of Down. Anyway, yes, I feel like I, I've monopolized, but yeah, no, no, and that's good. I don't have a whole lot to say about them because honestly, I never a super fan. Uh, what I will say is, like, you know, you've known me long enough to know that I am not a big fan of politics and music. It's yeah, just, not at all. Yeah, I'm, I'm not one of those people that says they can't exist together because right. that's silly, but I'm just that's not what I'm drawn to. So they, to me, are are the exception to that rule. Um, they, I have come to expect, you know, some kind right. of political stance or leaning to be enmeshed in their music. And 
you know, it's like I said before, I, I think when people first heard them, there is, there's a novelty to their presentation, mm-hmm. um, to, uh, the, the rhythmic qualities of, of what they're doing instrumentally right. was, was unique. Obviously the vocal approach was super unique. Um, but you know, it has diminishing returns and when, you know, I watched both of the two new videos that came out and one of them was, was very political. And in fact, I think it was just strictly for a fundraiser to bring awareness to the current situation in Armenia, which you'd have to be an asshole to like, you know, not be cool with. Yeah. Um, the second one is, is more the same, but they're like fucking, they're our age or older. And to see, surge like just kind of pulling the same tricks i don't know man i'm just not interested you know what i mean yeah i think it becomes uh gosh so you know i'm often um i i you you'll catch me saying this a lot and if i haven't said on this podcast a bunch just wait um i really um love my when the artists I engage with, when they when they grow and they change and there's these yes. growth rings around what they're doing, um, you know, typically they're gonna hold on to some stuff that really makes them who they are, their voice, uh, as it were. But they're they're gonna try other things and they're gonna grow and they're gonna some of those things are gonna stick and work and some won't. And in the case of uh, in the case of bands who go on these like really long hiatuses, um, hi- hiatuses, hiatus, they go on <laughs> a really long hiatus, right? Um, I think they end up with a thing where it's like you know like they basically have uh, um, the problem of they found their voice, but now they're kind of stuck with it in a way that like, um, yeah, know, they they've ha- lost that interim time where people experiment and put out albums that may be considered middling. Right. Right. Um, yeah. Or, in, or, or in an attempt or, to evolve. Right. 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 And, and I think there's, there too could be just this, and I, I can't say, you know, like the, they um, stopped calling us or taking on calls. So um, it's hard to know if they are um, um, going to these places with their voice because it's recognizable and they think yeah. that's what their their fans will want. Right. Um, or if it's just the crutch, you know, that, and that's what they can do. And they know that it's successful um, with their group. And I, I think there's a point to that, especially, if, you know, like you were saying before, there was a lot of speculation that they they probably weren't going to get together again a lot of the guys were doing other projects and stuff and uh there seemed to be some bad blood there and yeah. so i can't help but feel like that's exactly what it is like they only know how to do one thing together because they're not really it, it's a business relationship now right right well and it, it, it we don't know you no. know as i was saying before no, but, i'm totally speculating here but right. that's what we do here so but you know. well well and i think that too if you're a band and like you don't really get on with the other folks you're not sitting around the recording studio. you're probably trading um digital files um and you're like okay well you know there's no you're not developing a chemistry again or like you know so you're not really maybe trying new things and not trying to like stretch the 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 your voice as it were, you know? And, yeah. um, and so I think that, you know, that can be a, a, a problem. No, get, in, get out, get that check, man. Yeah. Especially in, in bands in this, I mean, unfortunately it's rare that a band of this kind of where the dudes are this age, um, they're a legacy act now. Yeah. And like, it's very rare that they, a record is put out. That's, Oh, cool. This is really good. You know, yeah. you know, it's not just enjoyable from a, um, a, um, like a, like you said, legacy, but you know, I would say like a, some sort of, um, you know, uh, gosh, what's the word, right? So it's like, um, like a trope almost, you know, like enjoyable from that standpoint. Yeah. Um, yeah. Your expectations are set. Yeah. Yeah. And you're just and they're playing to those expectations. That's something we've talked about before. It's like right. the exactly. moment a band starts playing to the expectations of their fan base, that it's done. Yeah. You can hang it up, man. It's over. You're well, not gonna, you know, I just, I mean, for me as a fan, I can't, again, I can't speak for everybody, but like, I, I will quickly lose interest. If I don't think a band is growing or doing something new, there's a handful of, you know, exemptions to that. Um, most of them are legacy acts, but if you're not trying new stuff, man, I'm, I'm bored with you. Go on. Yeah. Well, it's interesting. Too Even because- if it's not growing in a direction that I'm like super into. It, right. Well, it, you know, it, it, what we're, what you're just saying, for some reason, 
um, quicksand just popped in my mind. Like, and see, you know, we saw them, you know, a couple of years ago now, um, maybe four. Yeah. And they, they had, they had, they were like working on new material, but hadn't put it, put it out yet. And, yep. uh, uh, but, but, you know, they played and like, they were having a great time. And, um, you know, the show was great. The yep. older material sounded awesome. The new songs they played sounded awesome. Um, and really, they weren't like, I mean, they were doing some new stuff, you know, I mean, with the new material, it wasn't stagnant in the sense that it was relied on the, um, the older sound, but um, it's quicksand, right? Like they yeah. have a tone, if you will. So, um, but seeing them, you could tell that they were having a really good time. There's a really cool energy within the band on the stage. Yeah, there's still a camaraderie there that makes it feel like that's a band. Those guys right. are like, they enjoy making something together absolutely and that yeah. that travels right exactly right and so i think that that maybe and who knows maybe we'll see something different come out of it but i mean i think it's maybe it's, it's something that we're talking about them at all but um you know we'll see let's like, give them a shot right we'll see we'll see if yeah. something something interesting comes out comes of it so speaking of disingenuous did you watch the <laughs> <Phoebe> bridgers thing <laughs> I, I, you know, I watched in hindsight because, you know, um, yeah. uh, I don't, I don't typically, we talk about this on the show a lot too. Um, I don't watch SNL. Right. But, um, I do watch the musical guests often on YouTube, like yep. the next day or whatever. Um, and I do really like her. Um, yep. And I do like her um, side projects and, and, you know, that kind of thing. So I dig what she's doing. Um, yeah, she's, for sure. she's made songs that have really connected with, um, <clears throat> you know, my broken, uh, the broken part of me, which is maybe all of me. <laughs> but um so i i really like her um and but then there's this stuff on the on the um music news and and you know you had mentioned it and so i i watched the video and um i don't i, I don't get it like i guess people just need something to talk about in this news cycle this like yeah. this day news cycle or whatever but like but th that seems exactly what it is because it it it's pretty much a non-controversy as as far as i'm concerned but <laughs> yeah so the only thing I find offensive about any of it is the complete lack of spontaneity, you know? Yeah. Now yeah, it, it seemed rehearsed. I mean, well, it seemed rehearsed and, um, you know, like, I think if you're going to go to smashing a guitar, like smash it, like, you know, um, like it just really seemed like she, you know, she kind of like let it hit the ground and then was like, meh, I'm done with yes. that. You know, it, it like seemed like a half-hearted, it was not a cathartic song. moment. No, <laughs> no. And the song was like, fueled it, yeah. by. So, you're absolutely right. This is, and that's that is my biggest problem with it. Right. Um, is like I said, the the lack of spontaneity, um, the fact that it was obviously a contrived deal. Right. Um, and and I'll tell you exactly how I know that for a fact. Ooh, how do you know? Yeah. Well, okay, so you so, got a job as a camera person on SNL. Yes, yes. You didn't tell me. I, okay, I did. I've been keeping okay. it secret. Nice. But, so when she hits, she hits the monitor with her guitar. Uh, right. Yeah, yeah. And sparks fly. Okay. Now, as you know, our listeners may not. I build amplifiers and things like that. As oh my a gosh. Hobby. I, which is insane and i love you for it but man oh and i need a new amplifier by the way but go ahead Sorry. right so that's that's kind of you know it's, it's a hobby of mine it's something right. i do i, I like so cool building electronics and anyway um there is absolutely nothing that would cause a monitor to spark <laughs> when you hit it yeah absolutely nothing even if it's powered there's no reason. So those were pyrotechnics that were set up. Yeah, 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 yeah. So just by virtue of that, the whole thing is a it's a charade. It's like, and it's not about her gender. And that's that's what pisses me off about it. The yeah, headline yeah. is like women can do girls it can smash guitars too. And it's like, yes, of course they can. Yeah. Of course yeah. they can. But now you know so it's a it's not a good look for her because she looked wimpy doing it and it was just like and and i agree with you i think if bb bridgers is representative of where pop music is going where singer songwriter stuff is going i'm 100 percent on board because i really really like what she does yeah exactly but that was like just this cringy moment and for people to like throw this you know this political like spin on it so all of a sudden if you think phoebe bridgers looked lame smashing her guitar 
you're a nazi bro yeah well you're misogynist i'm sure um you know uh, no nazis just next yeah right 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 well um you're crazy first right um by, by, by by all rights um yeah i think that it's the way it's talked about you know like when you know girls can smash guitars too um you know uh the the headlines are you know all that stuff and and it 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 is this like it, it everything's cringy about it not just her doing it and it being a contrivance i mean not that there's necessarily anything wrong with being a stage performer and contriving a moment like that like that's that's fine like i i mean it it often and and before it would it bothered me when um musicians would destroy their equipment um just from the standpoint of like destroying a piece of equipment yeah like i remember yeah. like being a kid and being like man i would give anything to have that guitar and the amplifier that you just yeah that les paul that, just... that slash just threw off the cliff in the don't cry video yeah right like yeah um, the gold top right you no know, i mean i think it's so i i think all that stuff to me is really bothersome from that standpoint and i mean um, the the phrase um, toxic masculinity all is is, stu- <laughs> is stupid and bothers the shit out of me. But but if there was a definition of it in in you know rock in the '90s or whatever, it would be that kind of thing. You know, um, even though oh, some, I, I don't agree at all. I think oh, ooh, I think that would be like more it. like Motley Crue making girls call their parents with a cell phone in their you know what. That's uh, well. I I agree a little. I I, I agree with that too. But I mean, I guess my point being is that it seemed to be this machismo kind of thing, and even like one of the number one um, uh, kind of uh, perpetrators of it. That's not the right word, but whatever. um, Were was Nirvana, and and when they did it, it bothered me too. Right, Um, and and they're anything but you know, um, you know, toxic. I guess. Um, I just like it always bothered me like you know and who knows maybe every time that they did something like that they shipped three guitars to you know um underprivileged youth or whatever you know but um uh it just you know, by it all accounts always Kurt Cobain's uh, his guitar tech like just always had had his hand in his in his or his head in his hands because he knew he was gonna have to piece back you know Kurt was not known for playing like nice guitars anyway yeah right so like just to get these things functioning and like roadworthy was was a chore right and so uh there's there's stories about that but the one point i do want to make is that the one of the problems with having it staged in that way is that snl is a live show right and over the decades that has been uh it's been an opportunity for musical acts to get really transgressive in right. in a setting where where you know there's only a seven second delay so like whatever you're doing is is gonna go out on the air right so like this calculated thing and and this is the other part of it it's this tacked on nonsensical like statement at the end of an otherwise really, really fantastic performance. Right, right, right. So something though I want to tie, kind of tie with the um, Phoebe Bridges, Bridges thing is that like, um, so uh, in looking at um, her Twitter account to kind of see if she had had like responded or talked about this at all before we yeah. record this, I, I, I came across this old, well, it wasn't old, it, but it's up because of its relevance, right? So she had tweeted like, I guess a, a while ago, she had gone to like, before she was kind of a popular act, but in LA had gone to Marilyn Manson's house and uh, she had been a fan and was like, Oh, cool. This is kind of a cool thing. And at some point he was like, says one of the rooms is, and this, <laughs> this is, this is not funny at all, but it's just like, you know, like poignant. Um, he called this room, like a room, a rape room. And yeah. she was, he was like gross and this guy is not i'm someone i'm a fan of anymore and i'm out of here yeah exactly and well, as it turns out it was so prophetic because um you know there's all this news about this guy being such a jerk and dirtbag which yeah. surprise 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 um <laughs> right. uh, uh you know that you know he's having all this uh controversy come out about it i mean it's like you, you know it's a uh what is it it's, it's a secret in plain sight you know yeah. um you know the actress who's accusing him of of this abuse um uh had long been saying she had an abuser um a long-term relationship and 
you know, lo and behold, who was the person that she was in a long-term relationship was, well, it's him. So yeah. Right. So we all kind of knew who she was talking about the whole right. time and, right. and, and nobody who's, um, who's paid attention for the last 10, 15 years was hopefully not surprised, but um, well, it's, surprised. it's funny because we tried to do a segment about this Yeah, we did. Uh, <laughs> earlier in the week. And it just like, I just ran into a wall with it because ultimately is like, not only do I not care, like, it's just, I think you said it best. You're like, fuck that buster, dude. We're just talking to, let's not even talk about that clown. You know what yeah. I mean? No, exactly. And, and it was just like, it was, it was hollow, just like, like, you know, you know, he is. And the, the shame of it is, and the only good thing that thought I had of the whole thing was that it, the shame is that um, it's for people who want to be like shock rockers in the future. You know, in the past, it was like, you learned that Alice Cooper wasn't Alice Cooper. He was like this actually intelligent. His name is dude. Vincent and he can play golf really well. And <laughs> Right. Right. Or, or, or it, 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 it kind of, okay david bowie tries on these personas and yes. you know at the time marilyn manson wasn't like someone to be you know serial killer rapist or maybe he is and and um it was just the image he put on and and mom and dad be you know be, go easy it's just an image i wear so i can talk about these things meanwhile right he's playing you know, a character right and yeah. so he's stolen that from uh people going artists going forward i feel like you know he's kind of ruined that a little bit right and it, and it pisses me off actually and 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 the despicable nature of the of the things he's accused of not by just one person um because you know i'm careful with with that and careful with this too you know he's not been proven guilty but you know enough people are saying the exact same thing they're ex lovers of his that right. i feel like it's got some credence you know well and and that goes back to kind of what we were saying about like you know these these kind of stock uh tropey rock and roll things do you know what i mean yeah like the the drug abuse and, and all that stuff like i feel like he is a guy that bought that lie 100 percent in and was like i'm right, gonna live ago. out this you know this persona Dude, cocaine will make you do fucking goofy shit like people okay. get it's a powerful drug it, cocaine is a hell of a drug yeah exactly i mean there i can't think of any other drug right off the hand unless we're talking about like pcp or something that actually makes people go into like um psychotic episodes do you know what yeah. i mean no totally i mean and, and people that aren't prone to those kind of things exactly right um, no I, narcosis I know, but, <clears throat> yeah i hate to blame like like no and i'm terrible behavior on on such a cool thing like drugs but like <laughs> um i i do i mean yeah you're, you know you're, you're right you're right and i sh i shouldn't um i'm not using that as like a, a shield because i don't fucking care about marilyn manson but it just goes to my point of somebody who believes their own bullshit and like just dives headlong into this lie yeah another problem i have with it is that like um if you look back on um things that Marilyn Manson has said or done, uh, you know, um, that I hate to see discredited. You know, he was, you also have him in Bowling for Columbine yeah. um, where, where Michael Moore is interviewing him, you know, because at the time, uh, you know, Marilyn Manson was the like- uh, The poster boy for, yeah. Right, right. He was somehow linked to this like trench coat mafia people from the, the, the Columbine thing. And right. um, he was the, he was like, you know, the Jewish priest record of the time, you know, That's everybody, right. was, everybody was blaming um, the ills of, of, of teenagers on him. Yes. So he, he gets interviewed by Michael Moore. And for those of you who haven't seen it, Michael Moore asked him, you know, what he would have told the kids who did this. And yeah. he said, well, Hey man, I wouldn't have told him anything. I've, I've listened to them. I've, I'd have asked them about what was going on with them. Right. It was, such, it was so wonderfully like refreshing of him to say. And, and now it's just like, it like destroys the credence of it. You know, it like takes, yeah. it takes away the value of, of these good things. Man, we covered a lot of ground and um, true Bye. to, to form. We got a lot of music content on this one. It makes me feel good. I, I yeah. think that's our, that's, that's our sweet spot. You know what I mean? I, well, it's certainly what we can speak to without having to bullshit for too long. Um, you know, well, so that's that's always nice. <laughs> so, well, let's talk about next week. We'll uh, we'll get back on some now spinnings, make some wrecks. Um, Sounds good. And until then, y'all suck my dick. Don't do that. It's not fun. Okay. Um. Uh, no. Uh, it's cool. Uh, yeah. 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 You guys have a have a great one. All right, man. 
Hey friends, if you enjoyed what you were listening to, then I feel it is my duty to tell you that we also have a YouTube channel. So if you'd like to see us in all of our glory doing reaction videos and talking about music and movies, then head on over to YouTube and click that subscribe button for us. Thanks, and until next time, 